Hello, hello, welcome. Yes, that's got some energy tonight. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the last big house. We're glad you're here. We are in this series subject to change, and I just think it's perfect timing because it's about to be summer. Then that's a welcome change, right? There we go. And then you guys go to a new grade or seniors. There's tons of changes coming. So it's perfect timing. Uh, I just want to say a couple more things to you guys about change tonight. But first, I have a question. Have any of you guys seen those YouTube videos of, of models walking down the runway and wiping out? Right? Those are my favorite. I actually have some for you to watch right now, just in case you haven't seen them. is anticipated and then there's some that's not some you don't even see coming and much like those models you're just strutting your way through life right killing it and then whap you're down and sometimes another thing happens it's like you just get on your feet again and whap you're down again change disrupts everything we get knocked down we try to get back up you get knocked down again regardless change disrupts life so I want to tell you a story that disrupted my life a lot, a change that really messed me up. When I was in fourth grade, my mom and dad sat us down, and they shared something very upsetting, some upsetting news. We were moving to a new town two hours away, and this was really upsetting because I had my life exactly where I wanted it in fourth grade. You see, I was the second most popular girl in my small town class of 25 people, or at least I think that's what it was. That was my perception. Here, I have a picture. You guys can judge how popular I was. Right? I know. I was a big deal. But truthfully, I was looking at this picture close. The only big thing is that one, put that back up. That one tooth is so much bigger than the other one. Anyways, we moved. Um, how dare they? We did it. We moved to Afflington. And I worked really hard. And I barely made it into the popular group. Barely. So I got invited to sleepovers with the three cool girls, and it was there they informed me they were the three amigos, and there wasn't room for a fourth. So I was crushed, and it was upsetting to hear that news, but not as upsetting as the fact that my parents told us we were moving again two years later. So I moved to an even bigger town, and I never even made it in the cool circle at all. See, moving disrupt my plans and my hopes and the things that I thought I had created. So we're gonna look at this definition 
Um, dis, is that called, what is it called at the front of a word? Prefix. Thank you. Smart. Okay, we're going to look at that prefix. And the meaning of that prefix is to, it means apart. So if you dismantle something, you take it apart, right? Change tears us apart. It tears apart our plans, sometimes our hopes, sometimes relationships. And I'll have to tell you guys that. You know that. Change has disrupted your lives. Maybe divorce tore apart your family, or illness tore apart your dreams or your plans, or maybe an injury tore apart some goals. Change disrupts life. And God interrupts life. So we're going to look at this word enter, um, the prefix. I now know that. And it means among or in the midst of. So we're going to take just a second to compare disrupts and interrupts. So I want you to picture that you're talking with your friends, and I walk up and I disrupt your conversation. And if I do that, that means like I end it. I break it apart, it's over. Everybody walks away. But if I interrupt your conversation, it might be a little awkward for a second, but I'm joining you in your conversation. I'm a part of it. So where change disrupts life, God interrupts life. If you remember last week, Bradley talked about this. He talked about how Jesus is always with us, even in the midst of change, that he comes alongside of us. How does God interrupt? Well, I think he does it with power and with love. Let me show you what I mean. We are going to take some time to look through some stories of Jesus. So take out your Bibles. It was way too quiet. You're not taking them out. Take out your Bibles. There we go. So you're going to split your Bible in half, and that'll get you maybe in Psalms. Split it in half again, and then we're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts and Romans is too far. So find Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If your neighbor's struggling, help them out. And you guys are going to have to keep up, because I'm kind of going to read and I'm kind of going to paraphrase. So get ready. Um, We're going to start Mark 4, verse 35. So Jesus and his disciples, oh, there we go. That was helpful. Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and this big storm comes. And Jesus is actually asleep in the boat. And the disciples wake him up, and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? And he woke up, Jesus woke up, and he said to the wind and to the sea, Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were fear. Wow. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, they get off the boat. We're in chapter 5 now. And it says, Jesus stepped out of the boat, and immediately there he was met by a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him. They tried with shackles and chains, but this guy broke him apart. All day, all night, he would cry out, and he would cut himself with stones. And when this man saw Jesus from afar, he ran to him and fell down before him. And crying out in a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Have you come here to torment me? So it's actually not the guy talking, it's the demon talking to Jesus. And Jesus says to the man, You unclean spirit. And then Jesus and the demon talk for a while. It turns out it's not just one demon, but lots of demons. And while they're talking... um, They also paint the picture that there are pigs on the hillside, and there's like 2,000 pigs there. And so the demons say to Jesus, we want to go in those pigs, grant us permission. 
which I think is crazy. They ask permission from Jesus to do this, and he gives them permission, and they go into the pigs. Then the pigs immediately run down a hillside and into the sea and drown themselves. The herdsmen fled to the city and told everyone what they had seen, and the people came to see what had happened. And when they got to Jesus, they saw him there sitting with the demon-possessed man, and it says that he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And so when those people described what they had seen to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, the city people said, that's it, Jesus, we don't want you here, we need you to leave. And as he was leaving, the man who he healed said, please take me with you, I want to be with you. And Jesus told him, no, you need to stay here, go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. And it's really cool, in verse 30 it says that he did that and he proclaimed what Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. And the last story we're going to look, out, Jesus, uh, look at, Jesus gets out of the boat, and there is a great crowd of people there, and they're smashing him in. You know, he's trying to get through them, and this man comes up to him and says, my daughter is dying. Can you come and lay your hands on her, because I know you can heal her. And Jesus agrees to do that, and he's trying to make his way through the crowds. And as he's doing that, there's a woman who came there just to see him. And this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She'd spent all the money she had, gone to doctors. She wasn't getting better. She was just getting worse. And so she really believed that if she just got to Jesus and touched his clothes, that she would be healed. So she made her way to him and touched him and was healed instantly. But Jesus felt power leave from him, it said, and he said, who touched me? And the woman was terrified and trembling, and she said, it was me. Then Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You've been healed of your disease. And while Jesus was talking to this woman, the man, the dad who came to get help for his daughter his servant came up and said, you don't even need to bother him anymore. She's dead. It's too late. And Jesus heard this and looked right at that dad and said, do not fear, only believe. And so they made the trip to his house. And when he got there, everybody was crying and mourning because the little girl was dead. And Jesus went right up to her room with her mom and her dad. And he kneeled right down beside this child. And he took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she immediately got up. So we're just going to talk about these stories a little bit. In the first story, disciples, about the disciples in the boat, the storm disrupted them. They thought they were dying, and then God interrupted with power. And he calmed the sea, and he quieted the storm and quieted the threat. Who is this man, they thought. They asked each other. You know, they'd seen him teach, and they'd seen him do miracles, but even the wind and the waves listened to him, and this was terrifying. This kind of power terrified them. And then there's the story of the demon-possessed man. God interrupted this man's life that was completely disrupted by demons. With power, he commanded the demons to leave, and with love, he quieted the man's chaos. And the townspeople failed to see Jesus' interrupting because they were focused on what they had lost, the pigs. And that was too much of a disruption to their lives and they needed him to leave. They were afraid of the disruption and they could not see God's interruption of love and power that saved this man. And then there's the bleeding woman. Her life had been disrupted for 12 years. And she actually sought out Jesus and sought out Jesus' interruption in her life. He had so much power that touching his clothes healed her. But it didn't stop there. In love, he spoke directly to her and said, your faith has healed you. 
Because of his love, Jesus went to the home of the dad whose daughter was dying, who had died. And with love, he kneeled down beside her, and he called her little girl, sweetheart, get up. He had power over death, and he empowered her to stand. You see, these stories can be kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around. And I think it's because, for us, the idea of love and power are opposites. Them being together doesn't make sense in our world today. We don't see them together. But in Jesus, they complement each other perfectly. I want you to think about this. When that dad came up, Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and the girl would have been fine. He was powerful enough to do that. Instantly, he could have saved her right there where he was. But instead, he journeyed back with the dad to his home, got down right beside the little girl, and called her sweetie. In full power and love, all at the same time. Or with the storm, he could have stopped it in his sleep. He's powerful enough. But instead, he woke up, was with the disciples who were terrified, looked them right in the eyes, and calmed the sea with power and love. You see, he loves us. He's not a faraway God who orchestrates everything that happens from a faraway place. Remember those pictures? I don't know if they're like old Roman. I don't know anything. Where God's in the fluffy clouds. That's not the kind of God we have. We have a God that gets down in the dirt, do life with you, right along beside you kind of God. God interrupts with love and power, and that requires a response on our part. I don't know if you remember back to the very first night of Big House, Elliot asked a question. And he said it was the most important question we'd ever have to answer, and it was, who do we say Jesus is? You see, we can respond with a few different options when we are faced with God's love and power when he interrupts our lives. Our first option would be, when God interrupts us, we can question him. Who is this man? Just like the disciples did. We can be scared. They didn't get it. We can be confused about it, and we can question everything about it. Or, when God interrupts, we can be like the townspeople. We can miss it completely because we're too focused on the disruption. Because our plans get messed up, or our hopes and dreams get messed up, our security, and we can't see past the disruption. Or, like the woman who was bleeding, and the father of the sick little girl, we can seek out Jesus We can run to him, fight to get to him, trusting that he knows everything we need. I want to tell you one more story. Right after our second son, JJ, was born, the counseling agency that I worked for uh, got in a little bit of trouble after an audit and they had to close down their offices. So all of a sudden I had no job. Jacob, my husband, was a professional athlete, and at that time Home Depot did this sponsorship for like Olympic hopefuls and they had to suddenly cut that program. So right when I lost my job, Jacob lost the consistent part of his income. And unexpectedly, no fault of our own, we had two kids under the age of two and no steady income. I was panicked and quickly took a new job counseling at a former mentor's office. She had a private practice and I joined her. Within two months of me joining her, she died of a cancer that she didn't know she had. She went to the hospital sick one day and never came back. So I was left with counseling her clients who were grieving the loss of their counselor, my friend. 
I was grieving. I was terrified. I didn't know how to run a business. I only focused on the disruptions. There were so many changes. I hardly slept. I was anxious all day, every day. And although I didn't know it at the time, it was then that God interrupted my life. Jeff Mickey asked me if I would apply for a job with the high school youth here at Orchard. I took the job, not even knowing if it was what I wanted. And now I've been here almost nine years hanging out with high schoolers like you guys. I'm still a counselor and I really love both jobs. But my life was disrupted big time. And honestly, during that time, most days, I was the townspeople. I was focused on the disruptions and the things that I had lost. Slowly, I began to question God, like the disciples, and wonder if he even had enough power to help me. God met me where I was in love, and slowly I started to see that he knew exactly what I needed, and that his interruption brought good things. It's crazy because God met me at each point. Regardless of where you're at, which one of those three places you are, and heck, I've actually been at all of them, it's okay wherever you're at, He's going to meet you there with love and power and he'll quiet you or heal you or empower you. And the truth is, you guys, we've seen some of you be empowered by him this year. So you want to know why I stay at this job and why we have so many awesome volunteers who give us so much time week after week to hang out with you guys? Because the truth is, is that we're actually addicted to seeing you guys stand up for Jesus. We're going to do something a little bit different, and it might be a teeny tiny bit uncomfortable, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, What we're going to do is I'm going to ask you guys that if God has done something for you this year, that I want you to physically stand up in your seat. Not, let me phrase that, stand up by your seat. (laughs) Don't stand on your chairs. You don't have to do anything else, but if you felt God move in your life or took a step this year, stand up. Now, maybe that's that you decided to come here and check out this Jesus thing and it had an impact. Maybe, wow, I just started crying. I thought I was going to have to convince you guys that you needed to stand up. Maybe that's that you experienced him in a real way or that you were honest to your family group. Or maybe it's that you had the courage to share your faith for the first time. Maybe it was simply a feeling that you can't explain, and maybe that was the Holy Spirit. Maybe God's healing you or quieting chaos or answering your questions. But if you felt God's love in a powerful and personal way, stand up. I'm going to ask you to just stay standing for a minute. But know that we stand with you and that we encourage you. And we want to do that in a particular way in just a moment. I'm sure, I actually am not sure because all I can see is people standing up. But if you're sitting down, I believe God might have moved in your life. And it's fine if you stay sitting. But I also know that there's some of you and maybe a lot of you who are experiencing disruption right now. Because that's a real part of life. And if that's you, please look around and see that God has moved in these people's lives and he might be interrupting yours right now and you just can't see it yet. 
because it's hard to see past disruptions, but be encouraged by these people standing up. Maybe ask them about their experience or talk to one of your leaders. So this is what the next few minutes are gonna look like. We're gonna take a couple songs here and we're just gonna reflect. Stay standing. You have a few options. There are some leaders in the back and something tells me we're gonna need a couple more. And if you stood up and you want them to pray with you to encourage you, that's an option. If you don't want to go back there, that's fine too. If you feel discouraged and want someone to pray with you, you can go back there too. If you wanna stay in your seat, do that. But I'd ask that you spend these next few minutes thinking about which one of these people you are. Of the three groups we talked about, what place are you at? I'll come back up in a little bit. But we're gonna spend some time worshiping. You're free to sit down, you're free to stand up, you're free to move to the back.